October 8th, 25 years since we started in the living room. That's something. I think 11 adults and two kids and wanted to, we had kind of fallen in love with Jesus and wanted to invite other people to do the same. And the reason we really want to give thanks on October 8th, uh, the Lord had given me Luke 17 when uh, Jesus healed the lepers, 10 lepers. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice, he glorified God, fell down on his face at Jesus' feet and gave him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus are the other nine. Were there not any found who would return to give glory to God except this Samaritan? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well, made you whole. So isn't it interesting? Ten were healed. Only one was made whole. But what the Lord was saying to us is that on October the 8th, we need to return and give thanks for 25 years of I call him the divine orchestrator. Only he can do stuff. Josh Kirkus came up to me and said, in my prayer time this morning, I was in Genesis 26 on the redigging of the wells. The Lord told me the exact same thing. We've got stuff that we let block that flow of his spirit. Only the Lord does stuff like that. I mean, Josh is like, it's like we don't even have to, I mean, I know we have to believe it, but I mean, he makes it, I mean, he does stuff where we know it's him. We know he's real. So anyway, October the 8th, let's come back because we'll have service at 10. Let's come back at 4 and give Him thanks for who He is and what He's done. Amen. The Word this morning is challenging, but my heart is for you to be healed. My heart is for you to be made whole. And that's the Lord's heart. Amen. So I just want to posture ourselves. Um, I just kind of saw us singing. So let's sing this. Hallelujah. 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 Come on with your whole heart. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Yes, we do. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we love you. Yes, we do. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we love you. 
we don't come to your house to hear what we think we need to hear. Lord, we come to hear what your spirit is saying. And just like you reminded me Friday when I was praying with those other pastors. How often in our church services are we still and quiet? And listening. So I just thank you, Lord, that you really are arresting your church. You know, judgment begins in the house of the Lord and justice just means making it right. That's what you do. You make things right. And so, Lord, I just thank you for everything you're doing. We open our hearts to you, Holy Spirit, spirit of truth. You're welcome here in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Wow. We're gonna have a time this week. We eat together. John 16, 13. And, uh, you know, sit with the Lord on it and then send us an email. Let us know what the Lord says to you, staff at gracechurch.community. We've been on the centrality of Jesus, relaying Jesus as the foundation of everything. Uh, not just at Grace Church, but our, our families and our individual lives. We've been on this a couple of years. And uh, Jesus, we're on the segment of what he taught. You know, if we're, if we're disciples of Jesus, we need to know him. That was the first thing, know his person. Number two, we ought to know his mission. Why did he come? You know, delivering to us the gospel of the kingdom of God. Jesus mentioned church three times. He mentioned the word kingdom over a hundred times. Clear the church wasn't his central focus. The kingdom of God manifesting in human hearts that would become the church in that upper room. That uh, was his focus. And then, uh, and then if we're his disciples, we need to know what he taught. And Jesus taught truth. He not only taught it, I mean, you know, he demonstrated it, walked in it. God is our Father. Father's kingdom is accessible now. Regeneration, you must be born again. Obedience from the heart, amen. Not kicking rocks, but obedience from the heart. And then Jesus came teaching and delivering to us the Holy Spirit. We spent all summer getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit. And it's been marvelous. He has challenged us. So in getting to know, we're getting to know the Holy Spirit through descriptions of His governing functions as well as His titles. And here's what we've been looking at. The anointing. We can get to know the Holy Spirit through the anointing. The spirit of holiness we looked at. The spirit of adoption whose role is to bring us to maturity. And then we, we get to operate in our sonship, our heirship, our ownership of our Father's goods and true riches. And then this morning, let's get into the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Truth in John 14, then again in John 15, and then again in John 16. This is John 14, 16. I'll pray the Father and He'll give you another helper, one just like me, capital H, another helper, one just like me, that He may abide with you. Isn't that good news? Thank God it's not He abides with you till you blow it, till you do a big piece of stupid. Now, we even know, we know, we're convicted when we commit a sin because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Because when I was in the world, I didn't care. Make sense? So He's in you. It's proof. Now, you just got to gotta grow up and discern the difference between condemnation and conviction because He's convicting you of your righteousness, of who you really are in Christ. 
All right, that he may abide with you forever. Let me say this too. Let's get to know the Holy Spirit, right, Don? Let's get to know him now in this realm. Why? Because he'll be with us, teaching us forever. So I don't want you to die and go to heaven and then be surprised you got to, you know, encounter the Holy Spirit. I guess I should get to know him now. You can get to know him now. He's here and he never left. He's here and he never left. Verse 17, Jesus calls him the spirit of truth whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and he'll be in you. How many of you know our culture right now in America struggles receiving truth? Even Christians don't love the truth. They don't. They're like, well, we need to be tolerant. I don't think that's what Jesus said. Because what we're tolerant of, eventually they want us to celebrate. It started with tolerance, but then we got to celebrate it. And now if you don't celebrate it, you're a bigot. Don't be deceived as one of the, one of the proofs that we're born again. I'll show it to you in scripture in Thessalonians is that we love the truth. We love it. And, and how many of you know, we know it hurts so good. We know this. We know him for he dwells with us and he'll be in us. Verse 18, I'll not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. John 15, 26, Jesus said, when the helper comes, whom I'll send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he'll testify of me. And then I love this one. John 16, 12, I still have many things to say to you. Jesus said, but you cannot bear them now. Why? Verse 13 gives you the answer. However, You can't understand. I got many things I want to tell you, but you can't get it. Why? Because the spirit of truth hasn't come yet to explain it to you. You can't know truth apart from the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me? You cannot know truth apart from the spirit who is truth. First John 5, 6 says the spirit is truth. Well, I thought I knew truth from the Bible. Not if you don't know the author who wrote it. He interprets that book. Not our human reasoning. Not whatever feels good. We treat it like a buffet. I think I'll take some of this today. I'll have a... Never mind. All right. (laughs) You can't bear them. Why? Because the Spirit of truth hadn't come yet. But when He comes, He'll guide you into all truth. And then I can mature you as sons. And you can handle everything that is true. Not just the good stuff you like. But when I speak truth to your inner man, that there's things in here that are not of me. Contradictions to the truth. Lies that we believe. He'll guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears of the Father, he'll speak and tell you things to come. He will glorify me. He'll take of what is mine, Jesus said, and declare it to you. Literally transmit it to you. So that you can become a mature son. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he'll take of mine and he'll transmit it or declare it to you. So let me just tell you everything Jesus said about the spirit of truth. Spirit of truth will abide with you forever. So go ahead and get to know him now because he's going to be teaching you forever. He will live inside of you. This has already happened. If you're born again, the spirit of truth lives in you. He will testify of me, Jesus said. I looked it up. Testify means give evidence. The Holy Spirit gives evidence of Christ, who He is, not only to you, but through you. 
Most of the Western church stopped it to you. Yay, I believe Jesus is Christ. Yay, Jesus died for my sins. Where is Jesus' expression and testimony of His life through you? Through your mouth. Through your eyes, your ears, your heart. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, gives evidence of Christ through you. You may be the only epistle anybody's reading. He'll guide you into all truth. What else? He'll glorify me, Jesus said. He'll take all of my, uh, that's mine and declare it, transmit it to you. So the truth being spoken by the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, is where the breaking of strongholds begins. Let's get to know the Spirit of truth so all of our stinking thinking, our lie-based strongholds that we're in bed with will be destroyed. Because He loves you too much to leave you there. See, we need a proper understanding of truth. Just like we talked about with grace. Grace is not a doormat. You wipe your little bit of sin off your feet. Grace empowers you to holiness. If you don't have a grace that's empowering you to holy living, you don't have a grace that saves. That's Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. Well, don't shout me down. Amen. The truth being spoken by the Holy Spirit is where the breaking of strongholds begin. Without the Holy Spirit, we can't know the truth. So He guides us into truth. Like I said, 1 John 5, 6 says the Spirit is truth. How many of you know you and I have some blind spots? We don't see everything clearly. The Holy Ghost has no blind spots. You and I can be tricked Deceived by how we feel. My emotions. Your emotions are not what you use to discern truth. Right? You can't even watch a scary movie without getting scared because your emotions can't discern. It's not real. Come on. So why on earth would we live a life trying to derive truth from how we feel? Well, I don't feel very forgiven today. I'm probably not. No, your feelings are not the where we get truth from. We get it from the Spirit. Amen? And the Word of God that He administrates. So we can be tricked by our emotions. We can be tricked by feelings. But the Holy Ghost cannot. He'll not be deceived. And so He'll speak the truth to you about your new identity in Christ. Amen? He'll speak the truth to you about how much your Heavenly Father loves you. Amen? This is interactive preaching. He, <laughs> he will speak the truth to you about your inheritance as a son. Amen. He'll speak to you about all authority is yours in Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, now you're catching on. Where, where's my organ player? <laughs> Kyle? <laughs> Anita? <laughs> well. <laughs> I love church, man. I love it. Uh, so he'll speak the truth to us about all these things we love how much he loves us all authority is ours in christ how forgiven we are he'll speak the truth to you how righteous you are how accepted in the beloved you are but he also contradicts every single lie that you have believed about yourself oh i'm not done about others Every lie that becomes a stronghold in you 
Praise God, the spirit of truth in you contradicts it. He will oppose it. And he will absolutely show it to you. That's what I mean. We know as well as anybody truth hurts so good. I remember Jody Brown sharing just the other day when he really spoke. It was a hard truth, but with the Lord it lands softly. Jesus is full of grace and truth. He is the perfect balance. But Jody stood up and said after she shared with us what the Lord had you know, basically rebuked her about an attitude she had. She said, but I've never felt more loved than I did in that moment. Now, see, that's him. He's not laying up heavy burdens on people. The Pharisees did that. Remember, Jesus rebuked him and said, you lay up these heavy commands and burdens on everybody, you don't lift a finger to help. And then Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Because whatever he's going to ask Jody to walk out, he'll be the strength and the grace to execute it. All he needs from her is her yes. Well, I remember the Lord telling me that one time. Steve, you give me your yes, I'll give you mine. Because he's not going to override your free will. He doesn't force intimacy. If you, if you look at the demonic realm in demon possession, the demon forces himself uh, through, the, through the victim. He will speak through them, maybe even other languages or whatever. He certainly acts out through them. There's no choice. Not so with the Holy Spirit. He wants your consent. He wants your yes. You see the difference in the two natures? One is forceful, rageful, intimidating. I'm going to do this through you. You have no choice in the matter. Holy Ghost isn't like that. Now look at our culture with what they're telling us we have to believe. What spirit is that? Even with the thing... um, Man, boy, I can get myself in trouble here. (laughs) You're going to ag me on, huh? Trouble, trouble, trouble. Even the deal with the the vaccines and all that crazy stuff that was going on. What's the tennis player, Djokovic? He was was labeled or convicted or however they communicated... By the Australian government, he was a menace to society. He was a threat to the public. This is, this is a nice guy. Djokovic, the tennis player. What were they doing? They were making him. He wouldn't, he wouldn't get vaccinated. And you know what is real? He, he told them, I'm not anti-vaccine. Whoever wants to take it, take it. I'm just saying it's my body. I have authority over that. I shouldn't have to take it. And boy, I mean, you can read the story. John McEnroe interviewed him. But when it's force-fed on you like that, that's, that's demonic. Do this or else is the kingdom of darkness. Everybody okay? It's interesting, too. The Holy Spirit, you know, contradicts every lie that we house within ourselves. Somebody said the other day, I guess it was after last Sunday, somebody said, it never even occurred to me I might have offense towards my ex-husband. Never even occurred to me that offense was living in me. There's so much offense in our culture. There's so much betrayal and hatred in this culture. It's normalized. And we have even Christians in church who don't understand how much offense they're carrying. 
how much of a grudge that they carry towards other people demanding you know our own rights and self-protecting and that's what laura was just talking to me in between you know during greeting time about the lord is bringing those walls down we have been self-protecting when you're protecting yourself you built your own fortress you cannot be given you you can't be given but John thirteen three says that Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, that he had come forth from God and he was going back to God. So he knew who he was. He knew the truth about himself. He knew the truth about his assignment. Took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. Washed the disciples' feet. Even Judas' feet he washed. Why? Because he wasn't held in self-protection. He really trusted the Father. And trusted himself to the Father. Which he did also, it talks about in 1 Peter chapter 2. Let me show you this one. This is Matthew 24. Just got to find it. There it is. Matthew 24 verse 10. In the last days many will be offended, betray each other, and hate one another. Offense is the power to betray another human being. Offense justifies in your mind that you betray one another. And then it grows from betrayal. Betrayal is the power to hate somebody. We got any of this going on in our culture? How come we don't lay our lives down for each other? Why, why can't we take the high road with each other and say, you know what? I know you, you're, you're mad at me or you cut me down, you cuss me out, but I never have a right to tell Jesus I'm not going to love you. That he can't love you through me. I don't have the right. And that's an offense is rooted in the lie that you have a right, right. to not forgive. You have no such right. Amen. Your life is not your own. When he died, you died, right? By faith, you're crucified with Christ. No longer you that live. Christ lives in you. You don't have a right to tell your Lord and Savior, oh, we're not loving that person. I'll love that one. They baked me a pie last week, but I won't love this one. You're not in charge of you. Who do we think we are? Amen. Well, about 12 of you. Amen. <laughs> Twelve's enough, brother. That's right. Twelve disciples. Many will be offended. And from offense, it becomes betrayal. And from betrayal, people start hating each other. We are the antithesis of this. We are the sons of God. The creation longs to see walking around. We do not act like this. He contradicts lies that we let live within us. Just like I'm talking about offense. And I'm going to talk some more about it here in a minute. But how about, remember this one? Who told you that you were naked? Who you been listening to? That's what the father asked Adam and Eve. Who told you you're no good? Who told you you never amount to anything? Who told you all that? Who's the source of information you're using to determine what's true? Is it the spirit of truth? Or is it a lie? And... This is in the True You book. Out there on the shelf. You can get it if you want. But if it's true that through knowing the truth we become free, then believing a lie is what sets man into bondage. And we have a lot of people, even in church, that are in bondage. A lot of of, uh, little foxes spoiling the vine, right? 
John 8, 31. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. That's 31 and 32. So if knowing the truth makes me free, believing a lie enslaves me. And thank God there are many people in this church who are tired of living in bondage to deception. Amen, somebody? And the Lord is doing an extreme makeover in this house. He's doing a house cleaning. He told me yesterday, Steve, or on a Thursday, Steve, I'm getting stuff out of my house that does not belong. And I know we're thinking corporately we're in the Lord's house, but you're His house. Do you not know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? The, the living God lives on the inside of you. So extreme makeover. And the spirit of truth is the one not only who'll tell you how righteous and loved you are, he'll tell you how off base you are in how you're viewing yourself. Well, I'm no good. Or I don't like Bill. Sorry if your name's Bill. I mean, (laughs) he'll tell you, hey, your heart's not right. Don Wheeler, he came into my office a few years ago. We began to reconnect and have discussions on the Lord and all that. He told me, Steve, your heart's not right in that situation. And thank God, remember that, Don? Thank God my response was, you're right. My heart is not right in that situation towards those people. Spirit of truth, right? When someone says, I didn't even have the foggiest idea I had offense towards my ex-husband, but now the light is on, bam, I can see, I was blind, but now I see, spirit of truth. And so, again, why are we spending time getting to know these functions, governing functions of the Holy Ghost? Why are we doing this? So we can get to know Him. Boy, knowing His person change our lives. The Spirit of truth reveals the veil of flesh that keeps Christ hidden from us. Veils of flesh that block His expression through us. Last week, you remember I used this term. Hurts, history, and hang-ups that block the flow of the Holy Spirit. And as I mentioned, that word from a month or two ago, the Lord's trying, He's, he's redigging wells of spirit and salvation and whosoever will let Him. But what he said was, Steve, there's things in people's past, things that either they did wrong, they have not forgiven themselves of, or things that were wrong that were done to them that they have offense and unforgiveness in. That's stopping the flow of the Holy Spirit. And let me just say this to you as someone who's made countless errors as a born-again Christian and a lover of Jesus. I'll never forget when a gentleman told me, Steve, do you believe God has forgiven you of that thing in your past? I said, yes, I do. He said, do you think you've forgiven yourself? And I was like, hmm. That's probably why we're having this conversation because I haven't forgiven myself. He said, Steve, you cannot say you believe God has forgiven you of all sin and you won't forgive yourself. The first application that you really say that you're a man of your word and that God has forgiven us of all our sin. Because you preach it all the time. You cannot say you believe that and you won't forgive yourself. That is the first application that what you believe is true. Amen. Number two, forgiving others. We cannot say we believe that our ledger has been wiped clean by Jesus Christ and hold grudges. I mean, 
It's so simple. Just put them on the justice scales. Take your lifetime of sin, of which I get it, you're born into sin, so we can't help ourselves, especially before we get born again. Take all that sin that separated you from God, put it on the scale, and then take the guy who cussed you out and his one and put it on there. We're like, oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm holding on to this, by God. I got rights. Remember how when people insulted Jesus and hurt Jesus and spit on Jesus? Remember how he talked about getting revenge on them? Remember that? I don't either. (laughs) The healing we're headed to results in the unveiling of the Christ who's in us. That's mature sonship. When the full expression of Christ is Ephesians 4. I put it on the screen for you last week. 11 through 16. When the full expression of Christ, right? Begins to come through you. Hallelujah. And when His kingdom comes. And how many of you know His kingdom is a totalitarianism? That's a form of government where whatever the ruler says goes. When there's total lordship for all of us, because that's what the kingdom is, the gospel of the kingdom he preached was, hey, let God rule your life instead of you. Let God govern your life instead of you. When Jesus is Lord, what happens? What are we all living in? Liberty. Liberty. Second Corinthians three seventeen. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is lording us, there's liberty. We'll walk around like free people. No more, no more of those... Sly foxes and offense and grudges and all that tripping us up. Amen. I mentioned earlier one of the lies that the spirit of truth contradicts is your right to be offended. And it's so interesting because this comes up time and time again. It didn't just come up last Sunday. It's come up in M28 groups. It's come up in books people are passing around in this church. (laughs) Hey, have you read this? (laughs) Leslie (laughs) who likes to sew books but it's true why because it's the same spirit the Lord is dealing with the spirit of truth is dealing with and contradicting things within us that are not true like this whole idea we have a right to carry unforgiveness and not love someone like Jesus And, and we can see it in the room amen we can see this Because we still want to be in charge. And we don't trust Him. He's not going to protect me, so I'll protect myself. He's not going to keep me safe, so I'm going to to keep myself safe. Well, as soon as you do, you shut down the flow of the Holy Spirit. We put up walls. Our love grows cold. Do you remember that in Scripture? Where it says that in the last days, their love would wax cold. The love would grow, grow cold. Why else would we choose to betray each other instead of extend love and mercy to each other? The love of Jesus. Are our brothers and sisters not worth laying our life down for? I mean, Jesus thought so. Or am I so full of myself that if Ron dares transgress me how many of you know offenses don't even actually have to happen you can perceive it happened it didn't 
Ron didn't even mean it when he said that. He, he didn't even mean that. The most easily offended people are people who've not released the offense they picked up before. So we got chips on our shoulders. Easily offended. I put that on Facebook this week and a lady said, yeah, and we're tired of you people putting your shame sticks on us for it. (laughs) So she's blaming me and the body of Christ when all I'm trying to do is share the truth. But people don't love the truth. Yeah, they don't know what they don't know. Amen? That's why it's important that we're a great balance of grace and truth. How to know if you or someone you know is struggling with the stronghold of offense. Number one, possesses a sharp tongue. Number two, moody demeanor. Number three, a cynical outlook. This is all from David Hernandez's book, uh, Bondage Breaker. Sarcasm. How about this one? Passive aggressive comments, just little jabs, you know, here. Jokes with subtle insults. I love that one. (laughs) And a hypercritical spirit. When people are around someone who's carrying an offense, they often feel like they're walking on eggshells. The offended often create a tense, uncertain atmosphere around themselves. Now, we're not looking at that uh, to take up rocks. Amen, anybody? That's what I meant. I mean, how many times did Jesus repay evil for evil? And Christ is in you. It's no longer you that lives. It's Christ that's in you. The word uh, scandalon is the Greek word for offense in the New Testament. It's the part of the trap where the bait is attached. So there's a great book in the, I think it was the 80s or 90s, called The Bait of Satan. It was totally about offense. Because all, John Bevere, is that right? All the enemy does with offense is bait the trap. You have to take it. Think it. He, he doesn't have the power to overwhelm you with an offended heart. How about that? He doesn't have the power. Now you can give him power and you can say, come on in and rule and reign. And while we think in holding grudges, we're harming the other person. But the deepest harm is to ourselves. Because you think you're controlling them with your anger and withdrawal of love. And the truth is the devil is controlling you by stopping the flow of the one, the only image you were ever, ever created to bear. And instead of revealing Christ's image, you're revealing Lucifer's image. Yeah. And so we want this out of us. Amen. I, I want to live unoffendable. Colossians three twelve through 14 in the Passion is a great translation there in that particular passage about living unoffendable. Look at this one. Oh, that's not it. Oh, that's the one I just quoted. <laughs> okay, Lord, I got gotcha. you. Showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and humble. Unoffendable in your patience with others. When the enemy sets the trap, he's just baiting you. He wants you to take the offense. Yeah. Scandalon. Look at Psalm 119, 165. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Ooh, hallelujah. 
living unoffendable with great peace. Now that sounds way better than living with a chip on your shoulder. And it's your choice. It's your choice. You can either be unoffendable or caught in the bait of Satan. And if he catches you, it's like when the mouse, you know, he takes the, when the mouse takes the cheese, bam! Now you're enslaved to something. Until what? Until the Spirit of Truth comes and set you free. Because if you know the truth, truth will set you free. And the truth is you don't have a right to be unforgiving towards somebody. It's not your right. Amen. Look at this, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. The coming of the lawless one, that's the Antichrist, and certainly the Antichrist spirit is all in the earth. Have you noticed that? How many people are not cheering Jesus Christ these days? Politicians, they'll give a shout out to God every once in a while. Yeah, but... Uh, Jesus, we don't hear a lot of talk about Jesus. The coming of the lawless one is in according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. That's uh, talking about just a powerful deception. He uses the term wonder associated with it. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Oh, Saved people love the truth. My goodness. If we're not careful, we're we're living in a society that's filled with deception. That stands against even common sense. Moral law, scientific law, much less God's law. And he invented those other ones, but... One of the great evidences that you're a born-again Christian is that you love the truth. And you walk with the Spirit of truth. And I am not in any way giving you some right to go assassinate people with the truth. Christ is a blessed balance of grace and truth. I'll read it to you. John chapter 1. You can, you guys can dig into this this afternoon if you want. John chapter 1. Listen to this. And the Word became flesh, is verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You can never become so Christian you can't relate to a sinner. I mean, where were you before the truth found you? I mean, have a little compassion. It's like Tanya was saying earlier. They only know what they know. I mean, they know what they know. And we sure didn't know much for we met the Spirit of truth. Why? Because you can't know truth apart from the Holy Spirit. Isn't it crazy that we even have people who, who adhere to Scripture? I mean, they worship the Scripture and all that. And they're mean. How's that possible? Because the spirit of truth, the author of the scripture, is not a religious Pharisee. Aren't you glad? Yeah. And then verse uh, 
Verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one's seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son who's in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him to us. He has revealed Him to us, shown Him to us. Powerful. So in the last days, many are going to be led astray, so we need to love the truth. In this hour, oh, and I, and I beg you on behalf of Christ, we've got to convey truth to our children and our grandchildren. Amen? Because there's a lot of indoctrination going on. Makes perfect sense why they crucified Jesus. John 18, he told Pilate, I am here. One of the reasons I came was to bear witness to the truth. Look at 1 Peter 2, verse 21. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his footsteps. Christ commits no sin, no deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he didn't threaten anybody, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Wow. What about John 2? Because it says Jesus didn't entrust himself to men because he knew what men was like. That's right. But that was an excuse not to love humanity. He entrusted himself instead to his father. And because he trusted his father, he served and loved humanity. He never let his love grow cold in the name of John chapter 2. Because he, he knew what was in the hearts of men. So here, let me just not love some of these men. Come on, man. He entrusts himself to the father, the one who judges righteously. Remember that time when Peter denied him three times in the garden. And Jesus said, Peter, I made your mother-in-law sick again. Because how dare you do that? I got rights, man. I healed her. By God, I can unheal her. Remember when he did that? No, he never did that. Because Jesus lived a full life, a full expression of his father. He didn't need anything from Peter to act a certain way towards Peter. You don't need anything from somebody else to, to be able to love them. Otherwise, you got the wrong vine. you got little foxes blocking all the fruit coming out of that vine of Christ. Does that make sense to you? Lord's your shepherd. You don't lack for anything. I don't need Kyle and Nikki to treat me a certain way so I can be good to them. Now, let me say this. I do know we're human. I do know we have emotions. And there might be some things you need to process through. So have a great relationship with the Spirit of Truth and get some great godly people around you who love you enough to walk you through truth and to your freedom. They don't say, yeah, I can see why you're offended. You have every right to be offended. That is not a good friend. Because what they did is they just kept your neck in the mousetrap. Well, I feel, I feel power when I have unforgiveness. Yeah, and it's the wrong power and it's the wrong fuel. That's the wrong... You are not created to bear that image. Love is healthy. Peace is healthy. Forgiveness is healthy. Righteousness is healthy. Holiness is healthy. Everything Jesus taught and walked in is life-giving and health-producing for human beings. Guard your heart, for out of it flow the boundaries of your life. Amen? Amen. Let me turn to that. Proverbs chapter 4. 
Listen to this, verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. I believe we're talking about spirit of truth. Don't let truth depart from your eyes. Keep truth in the midst of your heart because it's life to those who find them. Health to all their flesh. So guard your heart with diligence for out of it flow the, the issues of the boundaries of your life. Amen. Spirit of truth beckons us to get to know Him. And I want to reiterate, yes, He'll tell you how much you're loved. Yes, He'll tell you you're the righteousness of God in Christ. Yes, He'll tell you your identity. But He'll also contradict every lie that you believe about yourself or somebody else. And we love you too much around here for you to not live a free life. But I'm telling you, and I don't know why. I don't know why. I didn't pick this out of a cereal box or off the internet. But the Holy Ghost has targeted offense. If you have unforgiveness in your heart, if there is something that holds you back from fully expressing Christ, get rid of it. Take it to Him. Put yourself on the surgeon's table. Amen, Josh? Put yourself on His table and let Him go to work. Let the spirit of truth begin to eliminate lies and deceptions that, boy, that one's tricky. Like I said, because we think we're holding the other person in bondage. We're actually the one that's enslaved. Now, one last thing. Stephen, you guys can go ahead and come. The spirit of truth reveals, you know, the veil of the flesh. And I mentioned that. And he's going to guide you through the process of transformation. He's going to bring you to maturity and Christ-likeness. Just like we keep hearing, and even with the spirit of adoption and, and others, we keep hearing His desire to mature us. So here's a little tool. We use it in M28 called the process of transformation. How do we move from being a hearer of what Brother Steve said today to being a doer? Because see, knowledge says, I know I should forgive. Wisdom is when you do. You've got to move from theology to application to truth to what is reality if you look up the greek word in the new testament for truth it's aletheia and it means the real reality the real reality and so i love this little tool because the holy spirit makes us aware and it could be the day you figured out you were righteous in christ and not because of your ledger that I did seven things right and four wrong, so I'm righteous today. Ah, terrible, self-centered, no good, death. You're either righteous in Christ or you ain't got none. And the smartest, humblest thing you can do is agree with who he says you are. And in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he says you're righteous if you're born again. So He makes you aware. But even let's take unforgiveness. He makes us aware. You know, just like that young lady I was telling you about. She said, I had no idea I might have offense towards my ex-husband for the things he had done. But then you begin to ponder. The Spirit of Truth begins to ponder and incubate it. And then you begin to value freedom. You know what? I don't want to be enslaved by that thing. That's death and destruction. Here's the behavioral gap. Uh, Shema is mentioned there. That's the Old Testament term, Hebrew term for hear and obey. Go together. One word, hear and obey. Okay? And so we have this 
this desire in the behavioral gap that I don't want to live in bondage. So we go back to the second triangle. I'm reprioritizing. I'm going to spend 30 minutes tomorrow morning on scriptures on forgiveness. Okay, New Testament scriptures. Paul wrote three of them. Forgive just as as Christ already forgave you. But I'm going to reprioritize. I'm going to make a change. Oh, I had a brother. I forgot to tell you. had a brother after last week. He had somebody that he knew he had ought with. So he went to them this week. And rather than say, you know, our typical response is, well, you for, you know, I, I forgive you for whatever you did. But it's like, no, would you forgive me for holding this grudge against you? Isn't that good? I'll never forget Leela Robinson. She's passed on, but she used to run sound for us. And uh, the Lord started dealing with her about forgiving her ex-husband. She's like, no way. <laughs> you got somebody else. Yeah, he was abusive. And in the natural, she had every right in her mind. I'm, you know, this guy doesn't deserve any love or kindness or forgiveness from me. But the Lord worked on her. Spirit of truth worked on her. It helped that we were doing a series on forgiveness at the time. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, right? And so uh, finally she said, okay, I'll do it. I'll tell him I forgive him. He said, oh no. Leela, I want you to ask him to forgive you for hating him for five years. And she, of course, she was undone at that point. After she got over herself, she was undone. But yeah, she called him up. They both cried together. Totally changed how they, they didn't get remarried or anything, but it changed how they dealt with their kids. They had two kids together. It was always a nuclear war. God intervened. The kingdom came into that situation and destroyed that stronghold. It wasn't just affecting her or even him. It was affecting those kids too. So reprioritize and then you begin to own that truth. And I like what Don Wheeler says. That truth begins to own me. <laughs> I not only own it, it owns me. And then you end up, look at that. Your reality is you're, not, you're, you're out of theology. You're into reality. You're transformed. Will you stand with me?